Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. Some of you listening to this podcast, I'm sure, have had the opportunity to study Talmud. Many of you perhaps haven't. The study of Talmud is fascinating. The Talmud, completed in about the year 500 CE, is a combination of so many different genres of literature. Interpretation of law, the law of the Mishnah, commentaries on stories in the Torah through Midrash, through textual interpretation, some rather non-systemic uh, but still uh, careful thoughts concerning theology, an understanding of different aspects of human life, and in fact some guidelines for how we should live our lives. Now, not everything in the Talmud makes perfect sense, and not everything is relevant to us today. In fact, some might be really contradictory to what we know of as ethics or, or even our theology. But it is still worth studying Talmud. It is so valuable and so important, so productive an undertaking. We don't study Talmud to learn Jewish law. We have law codes, and we speak to rabbis about that. And as I say, we don't study Talmud to get a systematic understanding of, of Jewish theology, but there's some reasons to study Talmud. First of all, it connects us to what has been a 1,500-year endeavor of the Jewish people and goes beyond that, before that, of course, of trying to understand some of these texts. And there was a time when this was the only intellectual, only academic activity that Jews could use to keep their minds uh, occupied and to keep their minds active. We also study Talmud because, in fact, it helps us by teaching us a certain form of logic and close reading of texts. Sometimes the logic in the Talmud can get a little bit too far and a little bit too detailed and really too nitpicking, but still the idea of something which is logical in the course of an argument, in the course of an argument really is very, very important and very productive and meaningful. And finally, we study Talmud because every once in a while we read something that truly makes us think. Think about our relationship with God. Think about who we are as human beings. And I want to share with you a statement made in the Talmud in a section that I've been studying with a group of people here in Ann Arbor from Masechet Sota, from the tractate known as Sota. We're going to, I'm going to give you the, the teaching. Then I'm going to show you where it came from. And if you have a Chumash, if you have a Torah in front of you, this will be helpful. If you don't, and I know some people might be listening to the podcast in the car or whatever, uh, that, that's fine. You can do it without the Torah. But if you have the Torah in front of you, it might help. And then finally, I want to make some comments on the, the teaching itself, on the message. And so we're going to start with the message, go to the process, and then finish with the message. So what's the message? Here's the statement in the Talmud that a person should speak words of self-praise. A person should speak about their praise or their accomplishments in a quiet voice. But a person should speak about their pain and things which trouble them in a loud voice. 
I'll talk a little bit about at the end about what I think about those senses, why I think they're important and why they're so important. It's so important the message to pass along. But before we get to it, what's really interesting is how the Talmud arrives at the statement, how the rabbi who made the statement arrived at it. So I want you, if you have a Torah in front of you, to turn to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 26. We have at the beginning of Parshat Kitavo, two statements of liturgy, two statements of spoken ritual. One which we've talked about before in this podcast and one which we haven't. The one which we've spoken about before is the first one that comes up and it is the ceremony of the first fruits, the Bikurim. Around the time of the holiday of Shavuot, at the end of the spring, beginning of summer, a person would bring, a farmer would bring the first fruits of the land, bring them in a basket, and present them to the priest. And would say the words that are very familiar to us from the Passover Seder, and as I've talked about them from the Shavuot tradition, Arami Oved Avi Vayered Mitzrayimah. My father was a fugitive Aramean who went down to Egypt with meager numbers and sojourned there. It goes on to say, the Egyptians dealt harshly with us and oppressed us. We cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our plea and saw our plight and freed us. Great question, which we'll talk about another time, is why the people were enslaved for so long and God didn't save them until they cried out to God. We'll talk about that another time. The second piece of liturgy comes later in that same chapter, and it's called the Declaration of the Tithe. During the third year there was a, of, of a three-year cycle, there was a, a tithe, a percentage of the produce that a farmer raised given specifically to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. Now, there were other uh, contributions that were made to these people during the other years of the cycle, but specifically in the third year, there was an extra tithe given. And the book of Deuteronomy goes on to say, and now I'm in verse 13, you shall declare before the Lord your God, I have cleared out the consecrated portion from the house. I've given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. It goes on. I have neither transgressed nor neglected any of your commandments. And it ends by saying, I've done everything you asked me to do. Look down from your holy abode and bless your people, Israel and the land. Now, two different sets of liturgy. One, the Bikurim, the first fruits given to the priest. The other, the declaration of the tithe. These two texts are used as the proof for the statement that I made before that the Talmud says, you should speak about the things you've done that are to your credit in a low voice, and that you should think about you speak about your pain, your suffering in a loud voice. How do they arrive at this? Well, let's go back to the declaration of the first fruits. If you look at the statement in verse five of chapter twenty-six, the words begin in Hebrew, ve'anita ve'amarta. The English translation I have in the Eitz Chaim, the Jewish Publication Society translation, says, you shall then recite as follows. Ve'anita ve'amarta. The word ve'anita really means to answer. You should answer, but it's used as an idiom. You should recite, meaning you should say it out loud. And 
the Talmud makes the point that when it says ve'anita ve'amarta, you should re answer and say, it means you have to say it out loud. If you look at the section about the tithe, you would notice in verse 13 of chapter 26, it doesn't say ve'anita ve'amarta, you should answer and say, it just says you should say ve'amarta, which is said in the, uh, in the English, you shall declare. In one case, it's you shall recite. In one case, it's you shall declare. But let's look at the Hebrew. Vanita ve'amarta, you should answer and say in one, you should say in the other. The deduction was that when it merely says ve'amarta, you should say, it just means to say it quietly. Vanita ve'amarta, you should answer and say, means you have to say it in a loud voice. Now let's look at the two contexts. When the farmer is giving to the priest, of course the farmer has to say it out loud and clearly because that's the whole point. You're speaking to the priest saying, I'm bringing these fruits as a matter of thanks. One could also imagine that it was quite busy around the temple at the time of uh, people bringing the first fruits. So in order to be heard, you had to say it out loud. The other text was more a private one because you're talking about something that happened in your home and you're talking directly to God and you don't have to scream out. You're the only one there. You say it quietly. But there's another difference in the two contexts. In the context of the tithe, what are you saying? I've done everything you told me to do. I've, I've accomplished all of the commandments. I've followed all the laws. And therefore, I, I ask you, God, to, to, to bless the people and the land. But you're, you're kind of boasting in a way. You're saying, I've done all of these things, and I've done them correctly. In that case, the Talmud deduces the fact that this is a statement of, of pride, of accomplishment, and that you should say quietly. But in the other text, we have the story of, going, of, of the people going down to Egypt and being enslaved and crying out to God in their pain, and God hears them. And since in that particular text, it talks about crying out when in pain, that's how the Talmud, the rabbi in the Talmud learns that you should say what is bothering you in a loud voice. So again, in the first text, in the second text about the, the tithe, that you say quietly because it's a matter of, of accomplishment, a personal accomplishment. And in the other, you say it out loud because you're reflecting pain you're reflecting at least a story that has some pain to it. And in fact, in the story, the people cry out to God and God hears their cry. So the statement in the Talmud is, when you are in pain, you should cry out so that others hear you and can pray on your behalf. That's, that's the way the Talmud sees the statements. So now let's talk about it a little bit. The first one, the statement that you say things that are to your credit in a low voice. Look, I understand that sometimes we have to self-promote. Sometimes we have to market ourselves. Sometimes because we want to serve as role models, we want to show people that we've done something right and we want people to know it. But still, the statement in the Talmud would argue that we should say it with humility and keep our voices low about it to the extent possible. I'm more interested in the other part of the sentence, though, that when we are in pain, we should cry out. 
there are a lot of times where people have sorrows, where people have trouble. I love that Yiddish word sorrows for trouble, but when people have, have trouble, they're in pain, something is wrong. And instead of saying it out loud, people don't let others know that they're in pain. Why? Perhaps they're embarrassed. Perhaps they don't want to burden others. Or perhaps, and I've seen this happen, people have the idea that I shouldn't have to tell somebody else that I'm in pain. People should see it and react without my asking for help. And I think the Talmud is saying something very clearly, that that's not a proper attitude. If there's something bothering us, if there's something that's causing us pain, if, the, if we are in danger, we shouldn't be reluctant to let others know about it. We should be willing to cry out in pain. And we, those of us who hear that cry, have the responsibility to help. Suffering in silence, not wanting to bother anybody else with what is bothering us, or taking this position that I don't have to tell people, let people come to me when they know I'm in pain, doesn't help. Talmud is making a statement, the rabbi in the Talmud is making a clear statement, that when something is bothering us, when we feel that we're in trouble or in pain, we're not doing ourselves or others who are willing to help any favors by being quiet and suffering in silence. I think it's a very, very interesting lesson and one which, when you look at it in the context of how the Talmud arrives at it, is a good example of the, of the value of studying a Talmud, which, are, which helps us to use the text in the Torah creatively to learn very important lessons in life. We'll do more of that in some of the weeks to come as I continue with this class. I'll be sharing some of what we've learned occasionally on this podcast. And I do urge you, if you have the opportunity, to explore ways to study this incredibly important and fascinating document called the Talmud. Until next time, thank you.